2: Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and my loyal Labrador, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Rough, <laughs> rough. Good dog noises. <laughs> what? What's the? Uh, what's
0: the? Background oh, for that? yeah.
2: One? Okay. So I I forget that you're not like you're not like a particularly kind of political person. You're not interested in in politics uh this is not sort of day-to-day no politics. no this is from the man who bought you operation big dog this is uh uh what boris johnson reportedly called one of his staffers a loyal labrador
0: i see i see okay. what a
2: douchebag <laughs> that's our prime yeah. minister abdul akhani says windy if you ever did your intro and dropped the best friend bit would Bardi cry or slap you
1: um i would never Put violence upon you, Wendy, I love you too much. I'd be a little bit disappointed, but I, I'd get on with it because I know there would be I some serious still...
2: side eye, wouldn't there?
1: Yeah, we're still best friends.
2: We're still best friends. Everyone knows we're best friends. Is it not clear from this podcast? We just
1: need to see each other, Wendy. It'd
2: been be too nice long. wouldn't it? Yeah. I want to feel the the lithe embrace of a body, and I want to see. Um, I want to check out your body, see what you've been getting up to. You're not and... going to be happy with me, mate. You're going to be. <laughs> you're going to be so mad. Honestly, I'm um, I'm not what I used to be.
1: I go. I bring my what are those um things that you pinch people to measure fat. I will bring that along and I'll, I'll make some notes.
2: Is it calipers? Calipers. calipers. Yeah. D- please don't. Although, so what I've what I've decided to do is um I've not had any alcohol. Av- so I this is this is confession time. I drank every single day from the 23rd of December through to the 9th of January. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> which is like I like I wasn't drinking heavily every day but I was having at least some alcohol every single sure. day. And I allowed myself that I really like Christmas. I enjoy Christmas time and I enjoy alcohol. So I was like drinking responsibly but drinking repeatedly. Uh mm. and I have put on a half a stone over Christmas. I'm not proud of that fact, but it's uh, it's a fact. Uh, I've now decided to not drink until my birthday which is the 3rd of February. So I will so from last last weekend i've not had anything uh i'm craving alcohol uh, and i will not drink now for a further two weeks and i hope that in that time i can lose that half a stone ready to then start the cycle all over again
1: half a stone is quite a lot we've got, yeah um we've got, i'm gonna have a word of you Wendy. Oh, i just thought you were just sitting very proud and very puffed up but now now it's all coming out it's coming out <laughs>
2: The truth is out. Yeah, I'm pretty ashamed, not going to lie. Um, what have we been up to this week, boys? Uh, I, I, I I,
0: have uh, released a youth podcast, 48 minutes of
2: youthy goodness. I cut about- it down
0: to 48 minutes by sucking out dead air. So it was a good hour, an hour-long <laughs> improvised rant. I can only apologise... Um, It felt necessary.
2: It was an emergency podcast after the news about Dylan Markande came to light, and we will definitely talk about that a little later. Um, Nathan released on YouTube, so if you've not seen this, you can go check it out. It's not behind the paywall, it's on our YouTube channel. Just Google YouTube, the extra inch. Inverted wingbacks video, Nathan.
0: Google YouTube. Yeah. uh God. Why am I so
2: old now? I hate how old I am.
1: So, it's like I would say I would I'd say it to my dad. Just just Google Google just Google. Google, just Google YouTube.
0: <laughs> Open your YouTube app. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh yeah, yeah, I did it with video. Uh did it with screenshots so I could get it onto YouTube and um I'm pretty happy with how that went. That might be something that I do again in the future and uh maybe we develop a bit of a YouTube presence and uh, I feel like we uh feel like we've Everyone on Spurs Twitter who has the capacity to listen to the extra inch, like we've reached by now, so we need we need those new we need those younger audience members, those YouTubers, those kids. I need more presence on Twitch as well. I reckon that's that's that's, that's where where we the need young to, people are. Out. We
2: need to get Barty Twitch streaming his uh, football manager streams. That's that's what needs to happen uh, next. I see.
0: Yeah. What
1: was it you said the other day to me, Wendy? Should we start a TikTok? Like, <laughs> what am I going to do with a TikTok? Wait,
2: so this is something Flav decided to do for the fighting cock, and I thought it was a really good idea.
1: And I'm I just mean, like, running scared. That's why. No, it I'm, looks I, good. I like, like, I'm
2: Yeah, I'm just borrowing from borrowing from uh, the goats.
0: I just can't be bothered to do more video editing than I. Already that's do. the
2: thing, isn't it? Right, we've we've spread ourselves pretty thin as it is, uh, and it's it's pretty tiring, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm always open to new ideas. Do some
1: vlogs. I do some vlogs live in the football pitch from the, from the stands. That would be great. Speaking of
2: um, Flav and the Fighting Cock, I did a podcast with Flav and Spooky, which um, is a podcast they do for their Patreons. Uh, and they, they invited me on and kindly let, let me put it out on our Patreon. So that, that went live today. That was about social media. I think it was a pretty good listen. Um, uh, I think we were all kind of quite open and honest about social media in a way that we haven't been on podcasts previously. So I hope the patrons enjoyed that. And Nathan's putting together a scouting spreadsheet currently. Do you want to talk a little about that, Nathan, or should we do that later?
1: Uh,
0: Okay. Let's come back to it later.
2: Yeah. In the transfer Mm. chit chat. Okay. Okay. So let's do Chelsea because we haven't got a second game to talk about. (laughs) And uh, let's start where we always start. The team selection. OMFG! That was my reaction when I saw the the team. I thought Bardi is going to be absolutely furious <laughs> at this. Uh, I remember Bardi's fury when Maurizio Pochettino picked Federico Fazio in a in an important cup match, and Bardi never let him forget that, or never let anyone who listened to him speak about it forget that moment. Uh, did you have similar a similar reaction to the Gallini selection, Bardi?
1: No, which is strange, and maybe that's just my pro Conte stance that I have at the moment. But the the Fazio one was Arsenal would just um, Arsenal want to run a bad result, and we had them at home. They were worried, and then Poch put Fazio in the defence, and I think it was Flamini absolutely destroyed him twice, and we lost. So yeah, that that turned into like a I never forget that I would I, would, I never forgave um, I never forgave Poch for that. But this is a little bit different. We were two 0 down already. I can understand. I can understand some of the decisions, but resting Hugo was, was a bizarre one. I know we need to have a proper look at Gallini and this was an opportunity to do that, but it it was a mistake
2: do we need to have a proper
1: look at Galini? I'm not sure I need to have a proper look. I think I've seen all I need to see of Galini. I mean, I, I did find myself in a strange place on Wednesday night defending a goalkeeper that I don't think is any good. But I I do think he became a scapegoat and he became something that we could just blame everything on, on him. And I, I don't think so. I think there was plenty of blame to go to Conte for this and plenty of blame to go on our outfield players. It wasn't we played Gallini and lost. It wasn't uh, Michelle Vaughan letting in two goals, underneath him or a son at a left back thing Gallini could have been better and should have been better but we didn't lose that game before because of him and then I ended up I ended up feeling like I had to defend him more and then the more people came after me the more I, I dug in which is just what I always do it's body cycle it's the exactly. body cycle
0: yeah <laughs> uh,
2: we didn't lose that game because of Gallini but we definitely like stopped ourselves having any chance of winning it because of Gallini and I don't blame Galini for that I absolutely blame Conte for that it was a mad decision to play him. He's, like, so significantly worse than Larisse that it's absurd. And I I see what you're saying, Bardi. Like, it was 2-0. But what you're saying, essentially, is it was 2-0 down, he's written the game off. But I don't buy that because he played... Harry Kane.
1: Yeah, because because otherwise you've got nothing to play with. But the goal that we conceded, Larice wouldn't have come for that cross. We know he's a bit he's a bit tentative with coming to crosses. He would have stayed on his line and perhaps he would have caught it. Would have plopped into his hands or, or maybe not. Um, I think we, need to, we do need to have a look at Gallini. If the Lloris contract problem is as complicated as we think it is, then we need to have alternatives in place. God. This is probably not the game to, to do it, but we need, to, we need to know if he can cut it. And I thought he did okay. Other than that one goal, I thought he did all right. He made some saves, which he, I don't think he's ever done in his career. <laughs> and he was okay with his feet.
0: Okay. He was, he was better with his feet than he would have been. There were a couple of moments... But also he threw the ball in the back of his own net, uh, as he has done throughout his career. And we're very, very bad at scouting and signing goalkeepers as a club. Mm. Except we stumbled into one of the best keepers in the world for a decade, <laughs> which was fortunate. So alongside Galini, I, I mean, I think we've made it
2: clear, uh, uh, at least I've made it clear, I thought that was a horrific team selection because of Galini. But also, Nathan, the, the choice of playing the same back three that had
0: struggled to progress mm. the ball in the first leg, what did you make of that one? I don't know. It's pretty weird. I mean, th- th- like, obviously... Like I said in the last episode, once I knew Dyer and Romero were out, I knew that we'd lost, right? Because, but I didn't think, like, obviously we have to play our other centre backs as a result of that, but we have to Do play we? the exact back three that completely lost us the first half um, of the first leg. I don't. I don't understand the. I don't understand that decision at all. To be honest, I think that's very weird. Obviously, like we were going to tweak exactly how that works, and then maybe you know the use of Galini's feet as like a, a fourth player and build up and build from an even deeper position. But I. I don't. I don't. I don't know why we have to. Because mm-hmm. we demonstrated the you know ability to switch to a back four mm-hmm. when we needed to. I don't understand how, like, because even if you think it's like, oh, it's like it's a double bluff. He won't be expecting us to do exactly what lost us the first game. It's like, well, Chukal can always just switch back to a very similar setup of how he played the first leg. So, like, I don't know, it's weird. And I think that, like, like if you're playing Galini and you're playing, you know, two out of three centre backs who are uncomfortable in the ball, in a very ball-playing setup, You've you've lost a game against a good side. At which point, why play Harry Kane? <laughs> like we may as well have just sent the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree.
2: And I would add to that as well. Um, I tweeted from The Extra Inch straight after the game last week that we should play Cessignon at left wing back in case we need to switch to a 4-4-2 again or a a back four. Because then you can play Ben Davis at left back and you can play Cessignon at left wing. And what Conte did was select Matt Doherty at left wing back and still switch to a back four. So Matt Doherty was playing left wing for Tottenham Hotspur um, for a large portion of this game, which was absolutely insane. I mean, he must have realised, he must have thought, that he could end up playing a a four four two or a four two three one system uh one at some point in this game. So the selection of dots seemed just bizarre to me.
1: I mean, I think we saw Reggion would have probably missed the Arsenal game. So he didn't want to play Sessignon for another 90 minutes with, with that game in mind. I think against Lukaku, I think it was important to have three centre-backs there. I think they were able to cover each other quite well. I thought they handled Lukaku pretty well. And it's it's one of those, that it, over two games, I don't think Chelsea caused us that many problems. Our, our problems were all our own making. And it was... <sighs> It was like Jonah Lomu against the Underwoods at the the ninety five Rugby World Cup. It just they just put out their hand and just palmed us away, and we were unable to do anything. And it's it's just there it was just a golfing class in in just game management between the two teams. I thought Chelsea's midfield was great, and I know Wendy, you you always think I would do anything to big up You He did. Because I do. I, I do think he's a fabulous player, but also I think uh, Kovacic is a fabulous player. Mount is a pretty good player as well, and I just think Chelsea were. Chelsea were better at what they needed to do. And we saw against Man City, Chelsea are a team, they just don't make mistakes. And they get beaten by either the, another another team doing something incredible, like De Bruyne just whipping it in. And for us, they just didn't make mistakes and they just let us make three mistakes and that, that was the difference between us but it's that level of, of quality that they're just able to sit back and not make mistakes Rudiger is an incredible defender and mm-hmm. every time you watch him live that guy the way he moves and the way he covers the ground and he's got a little bit of everything you can see why he's hes not signing a contract because he can walk into most teams in the world and make a lot of money
2: he uses the ball so well as well oh. I mean he's not like he hasn't got in like vision that you would say is, is unusual usual for a centre-back but his crispness of pass the weight of pass is always spot on and his decision making is always spot on as well uh he's just a really really all-round competent player he's so good
1: Uh, yeah and then alongside him on the on the right hand side you've got Azpilicueta then when things get a little bit dodgy they bring in Thiago Silva to kind of chill things out (laughs) and put Rudiger to the side of him it's they're a a very strong defensive unit and that's that's all they needed to be over these 180 minutes Mm -hmm. and I, I just thought we we lacked we lacked a little bit of something, and if the funny thing is, without VAR, we might have won that game. You know, it's but we did lack something in the final third, the the final touch, the final pass, a little bit of vision, and yeah, that that's the sad thing that it it was there for us, but we were just unable to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with your analysis that Chelsea just had us at arm's length for the whole game. Essentially, they they were playing the second half basically in second gear. They I, I just felt like they had they could, they could step it up if they needed to. If if we were to score or if it, let's say one of those VAR VAR decisions went our way, then Chelsea had more than enough in the tank to just sort of turn it on again and come back stronger. Uh, they were conserving energy by that point. I, I felt. Um so it was really disappointing, but I I definitely think Conte has himself to blame. And actually it's something that I think Nima said to us in the pod we did with him that Conte struggles when he has to play two matches a week. Is that right? I mean that's what one of the, the reasons he said that they were, he's been poor in the Champions League to date. Sure.
0: I mean he's 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 kind of a first eleven guy, yeah. He's not really a squad manager. Hmm. He's a yeah. And he prioritises the league. And as and as I sort of um went into in the video that I did um a couple of weeks ago like he can be prepared for so i think all those things in combination prioritization of the league sort of mixed squad management and a sort of um you like everyone knows exactly how he's going to play pretty much um combined to make him sort of yeah not not have the greatest record in in cup competitions but be so consistent in the league every year mm. at various clubs
2: mm. Uh, Paul Nelson emailed, and he he made a point that um, that we've kind of covered already. That an elite manager shouldn't make the same mistakes twice in one week against the same team, and further compound it by playing the suspect reserve goalkeeper. And yeah, I mean, I have to agree with that. We also got uh, an, an email from Mike Dav eighty four, who said it might have been on um, on our Discord. Actually, is it fair to say that losing to Chelsea three 0 and two? EFL games isn't a bad result given our injuries, the golf and scored quality and spending and some obvious selection and tactical mistakes. I mean it's never Prince. good to lose 3-0 to yeah. Chelsea across two matches, is it? That's the that's the thing. I mean it's not the thing is it's it's not an absolute disaster. It's not time to sort of rip up everything and start again or, or think that we should be utterly pessimistic about the future. It's just that we had yeah, real crucial injuries that in that impacted on our ability to play the system we want to play, which resulted in Chelsea having an advantage over us during that time. But I would say that Conte does need to learn from that second leg in particular about the decision making process. And I would, also, I, I, I do think as well if we see that same back line come out again when Dyer or Romero are absent, I would be, I would be concerned because I mean I agree that he's got no choice but to play some of the players that you know aren't Dyre, Romero, of course. But he doesn't have to play the the back three. He could play a back four, or he could do something a bit more radical, like play Emerson Royale right sided centre back, or sure. or, or, or Huijbregt even, who I you know hasn't played centre back, but I think he could probably do a fine job there. Certainly in possession, he'd be a vast improvement. So there's
0: there's more he could have tinkered with, I think. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I, I hold pretty much all of these critiques and, and frustrations, but um, I'm just generally not especially concerned. Like, there's a lot of panic uh, and frustration in the Spurs fan base right now for multiple reasons. Obviously, like the the Arsenal game, um, we haven't bought anyone, and it's mid-January. Um, the 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 uh, sort of underlying sort of mass. Um, anxiety around Conte walking out at any moment. <laughs> uh, um, and then, yeah, a couple of bad results. But, like, uh, I think we're good. I think we're a good team. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think Conte's in a rush to run away and um, I think the squad needs a bit of work and I think it will get some and uh, <laughs> we'll have an opportunity to beat Arsenal some other time <laughs> you know I, I I, yeah I was frustrated with the selection was frustrated with this, the, the the decisions but we were always going to be the underdog going into to halls Chelsea and mm-hmm. um, we're playing really well as a team it, like, I think I think some of the impression is that like oh we beat up some really easy teams and now we come against a good team and maybe we're not so good but I do don't see it that way all. I'm, I'm much less concerned I think we'll be straight back into form pretty soon so i agree. So happy
1: yeah Chelsea were the worst that when the worst team to get in this draw I would have preferred to have got Liverpool or Arsenal I think we, we could have beaten them but Chelsea in, in these cup competitions they're just good then they got on they've got our number we haven't beaten them since since Ever. 2019 well <laughs> we haven't beaten them for, for many many years and I think that was in the, the league cup as well when when Kane got wiped out by Kepa but yeah it happens, yeah, and it happens a lot against Chelsea. And I, yeah, it, this is not a sign that it's it's over for Tottenham and Conte's done, and he needs to leave. It's um, it's one of these games against a very good, efficient team. So obviously, the Arsenal game was
2: postponed. We kind of thought this might happen. Um, my view is that the Premier League have made a ridiculous rod for their own back here with their rules, which are. Ill thought through and open to interpretation and um, abuse and abuse. Exactly, that's exactly the word I was looking for. And Arsenal have absolutely abused them um, by you know sending players out on loan and then asking for a match to be cancelled because they've got one maybe two COVID cases.
0: I mean, the Premier League didn't have the foresight to like include in their ruling like not including players suspended. (laughs) You know, is is or players you've chosen to
2: loan out in the past week?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's so much anger about this, um, and uh, I don't know. Like, of course, of course, Arsenal have abused the rules, uh, and of course, you know they're cowards. But I look at the wider picture and see, like, the fact that, like, okay, even if you count a suspension and a player that they just loaned out, who was first, you know, who was who was squad level, um, the fact that we're in a situation in football that, like Uh, a sort of a a top six quotation marks team are like down to that many players yeah just one like just one covert case shuts down cities in australia and new zealand and obviously that's not the situation and china and that's not the situation that like that we're in you know in london or whatever um but i i don't like as a general principle hate that level of sort of um Uh, caretaking obviously again that's not what Arsenal are doing here they're not taking care Um, they're they're making you know use of a situation but I just um, I think that like there's such a desperation for there to be so much football played Mm -hmm. all the time that clubs and players are falling to pieces and Spurs fans desperately wanted to see a really diminished product you know we're missing and Romero they're missing half their squads Yes, of course, you know, that's an opportunity to get a North London derby win and we all want that. But taking a step back, if this was any club other than Arsenal, like I just I want to see I want to see two teams at their best going at it. And I don't mind waiting a week to see that. And I don't mind, you know, taking care in a pandemic. And, and giving extra, uh, you know, uh, 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 sort of extra care and extra time between games, and not running so many tournaments all the time. Not running domestic and um, international tournaments at the same time, and running international tournaments every summer, so that there's no actual off season in a year. And I don't know. I just that of course, of course, of course, Arsenal have been dickheads, but um, the wider picture is like this situation is is going to happen.
2: Nathan, are you saying that on this rare occasion, two wrongs have made
0: a right? No, no, I wouldn't ever use that phrase because I hate it. But... <laughs> Also, no, not even that's not even appropriate. That's not even applicable. No, it does work. It does work because the Premier League
2: have made a bad rule, and Arsenal have have been bad in abusing it, and and the right result has happened. I think the thing Uh, for me is, I think the thing for me is, Spurs fans are so desperate to take the moral high ground here and say, "Look at these cowards! Look at these idiots!" As if we wouldn't do exactly the same thing. Of course, Daniel Levy would do exactly the same thing that Arsenal have just done. And you're, I'm sorry, you're deluded. If you, you're absolutely deluded if you think otherwise. We would have done the same thing. We would have. been applying to to postpone this game if we had 12 players and and two of them were Matt Doherty and Pierluigi Galini. we just would we would so we missed the North London derby anyway it's uh it's been a bit of a depressing weekend from a Spurs perspective because it's something you always look forward to in the when the the fixtures come out at the beginning of the year lots of people were excited about going to the game it's felt like a bit of a downer but it will happen we-
1: we did save ourselves some incredible amount of banter that had we played them and lost, then it would have been lost to the Kids,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So we did save ourselves from that. I, I mean, I personally was really looking forward to it, especially after the Chelsea game and the atmosphere and everything mm. else in the in the crowd. There was some there was some anger. I think a win against Arsenal would have fixed fixes sure. everything pretty much. So that it was an opportunity missed. Then, yeah,
0: I feel was, sorry it, for those with tickets. You know, match mm-hmm. goes. Of course, I feel sorry for them. In any time a game is cancelled, they have the right to feel angry. I think, but. But for the most part, I think it's, it's a little overblown. I and mean, yeah, of course, we want to like, as yeah, yeah, Barty's saying, like we want, to, we want to bounce back after the Chelsea game. But, but I think we're fine. I don't think we need to have that sort of insecurity about our quality. True. Let's talk about transfers.
2: Um, quite a lot to talk about. We've got Nathan's spreadsheet to, to dip into as well. Um, shall I start? Lion says, why don't our youth players believe? And why don't
1: they believe, Windu? Why do they keep abandoning us? Mm,
2: it's a good question.
1: Is it because you don't go to the training ground anymore and mm, inspire them to, exactly. to become legends? Like when you were there, think about Wendy, the, the, the <laughs> players you nurtured through to the first team—Harry Winks, Harry Kane, um, Ryan Mason, Nabil Bentaleb—they're all yours, man. Since you've left, nothing.
2: You're absolutely right. I can't. I can't deny that this is the case. I think maybe my presence <laughs> just, um, just made everything better for our young, it's, our young players. It's
1: that windy coys guy. It's that windy coys guy. Let's play better.
2: So the only time that that's ever happened when uh, I was acknowledged by youth players, it was by Massimo Luongo. Do you remember him? He he went on, oh, to, yeah, went yeah, on yeah. to play for QPR. He's a good player, actually. Uh, and he, he, um, someone brought him over to meet me and said, oh, this is Wendy. And he's like, oh, Wendy, I follow you on Twitter. And he was really, really nice. And uh, he then said he turned around to one of his teammates. I won't name him.
0: Uh, and said... You named him before, you told us this story before, you named him before. Maybe it was, name, maybe yeah. it was off the podcast. Maybe it was off the
1: podcast. <laughs> name him, Ooh. coward. Name him. He, I, I won't name him.
2: He <laughs> he uh, he said, this is Windy and uh, and that player turned to me and kissed his teeth at me because apparently I'd given him a bad review on my blog and he wasn't very impressed. So,
0: I wasn't... Um, yeah,
2: I was public enemy number one with him. But anyway, I don't think anyone knows who I am, other than Massimo um, Longo
0: now. You've been accused by like... Uh, players' parents of like working with agents and all kinds of like nefarious, <laughs> awful that did happen. <laughs> things. That did happen, and the club also <laughs> once. Um, I remember me
2: and me and bankrupt Spurs were. It was at the old Spurs Lodge training ground. We were watching a game, and it would have been Mason and and um, and Obika playing up front at that time. And uh, club officials had a close eye on on me and bankrupt. Uh, I think they thought that we were like either agents or involved in like some sort of betting so basically you like occasionally academy matches you could bet on academy matches from abroad normally and so you'd see people on the phone and it would be like they'd be making a call to a to a foreign country saying bet x amount on so and so winning because the information was so hard to get that you'd be able to get one over on the bookies uh, and I, I think I think that was a suspicion that we were involved in some sort of criminal betting no, activity. Just
0: absolute nerds. Just absolute
2: <laughs> weirdos watching watching sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds run around on a Saturday morning at eleven o'clock.
0: Yeah,
1: you should have become an agent, Windy Coy's football agent. It would have been great. You would a whole new li- different life. You, you could did, have you been living in. It. Can, you a, can you imagine? A,
2: can you imagine it though? I mean, I just
1: head to toe bling. You'd be doing well. <laughs>
2: No, I'd I'd nah, I'm not the right character for
0: that for sure. <laughs> in negotiations with Daniel Levy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that? Seriously. Just cave, wouldn't I? Um, so why don't our youth players believe? Why why is Dylan Markande joining Blackburn Rovers for a reported five hundred thousand pounds? Well the reason he's joining Blackburn Rovers for such a low fee. Um, is that he has a matter of months remaining on his contract. His contract ends presumably at the end of June, certainly this summer. And the reason his contract ends at the end of June is because we couldn't tie him down to another contract. And the reason we couldn't tie him down to another contract is I can only assume because he felt he'd be better off elsewhere. And I can't disagree with that decision that he and his family and his agency have made. He absolutely will be better off at Blackburn Rovers. He's going to a championship club who are third in the league who could well get promoted back to the Premier League, if he can establish himself in the team between now and the end of the season, then he could be a starter in the Premier League next year. Um, I wrote a blog about this, a very long blog, at the weekend. Uh, I'm really disappointed that Spurs have got this recurring issue with getting players to commit to contracts. I think they, they need to work out what they are doing in terms of their pathways for young players. But also, I do think, and I wrote that from the perspective of the money, the loss of income, because Marcande is worth a lot more than five hundred thousand pounds. So, You know, if Marcande had another three years in his contract, we would not be entertaining a bid less than ten million. We just wouldn't. You know, this is ten million. Yeah, th- th- this is this is a twenty-year-old who is one of the best players in the premier league 2 this year why would we need to sell for anything less than 10 million if uh, if he was tied down to a contract the 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 other part of it and i think the 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 money is the part that connects with people who aren't bothered about putting academy players in the first team but the other part of it is it is a shame that you know we've spent 5 years developing this player and we've made him a good player and he's managed to get 15 minutes in our first team i do think that is a damn shame. Marcus
0: Edwards is about to move for a, a similar sum.
2: Yeah, good for him. To the,
0: sorry, to the one you're suggesting. I mean, not the to the five hundred thousand.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really pleased for Marcus Edwards. I'm pleased that he went abroad and uh, has has found a career. Uh, in 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 retrospect, he should have gone two three years earlier. That's the you know that and and this is why Marcande and others will leave Spurs because they've seen players leave and do well Madueke is another obvious example um there are players who've left and and not done so well but they left <laughs> the point is they left because they didn't see a pathway at Spurs and they saw opportunities elsewhere
1: Bardi. but is the fact that he's gone to Blackburn perhaps a sign that he's not as good. Because I I know Mark Ande through his numbers that we talk about every now and then, and his 15-minute cameo. He hasn't gone to Dortmund. He hasn't gone to a, a top European team. He's gone to Blackburn Rovers. To be honest with you, I didn't know they were third in the league. I don't often go look that far down the table. But it's the fact that he's gone to Blackburn, he's he's not that good. Or there are doubts. And the other thing is, it's also it's that the player has... Blackburn must have offered more money, no? Or is it just the fact that they've offered him a route into the first team?
2: I would imagine he'll be earning more at Blackburn than he does at Spurs now. Whether we offered him more money, I don't know. But let's imagine that they offered the same amount of money. It's still the correct decision for him to go to Blackburn because of the the, the opportunity it offers him to actually have men's first team minutes. I mean, it's it's a way, he's, he's wasted a year in the Premier League 2 for us. The Premier League 2 is um is fine for what it is. For, for some players, it's fine, but he's too good for that level. I mean, Markande and Clark and Harvey White and Niall John are simply all too good for that level um to the extent where our team's really good because of those four. <laughs> and it was not good when we didn't have those four playing in it. uh White and Clark have got significant experience of playing in the league at other clubs and they should be playing... For, for league clubs now rather than in the Premier League too. It's um it's a bit of a waste of time, to be honest. Whether whether the Blackburn move shows that he's not good enough is an interesting question, Bart. And this is something that people say quite a lot. Well, you know, it shows something that Blackburn are the ones interested in him. And my response to that is twofold. It's firstly... Blackburn have got some good players. So Ben Brereton-Diaz is a player I rate really, really highly and would be happy if he was in Spurs' squad, to be honest. I think he's he's an excellent player. And I think there are a lot of good players in the Championship. And I think a a player of Marcande's level is good enough to be a Premier League squad player. But it's more about... So if we're expecting young players to be as good or better than their respective counterparts in the first team, then we're never going to bring any of them through because they're just not going to be without opportunity. Unless, you know, they're Oliver skip and they have a outstanding low move and then and they play in a position where there's a perceived weakness then they'll get their minutes um but what you have to do with young players is you have to look at the ceiling you have to appreciate that they're not a finished article they're going to improve so and I, and we did that with skip we gave him appearances when he was younger and he wasn't as good as the the players around him but we we saw his ceiling we saw the potential we we gave him games when he wasn't necessarily performing his his best and he wasn't better than the alternatives but we saw this is the right way to give him a bit of experience to help him on his way to become what he now has become and I think we should have been doing that with Markandi over the last 18 months and I'm not saying play him in the Premier League game of course I'm not I'm saying we've had Europa Conference League matches against rubbish And the reason Spurs presumably didn't play him is because he hadn't signed a contract. And I think that is very stubborn of Spurs. And I think it's unfortunate that it's panned out this way because I genuinely think we've lost millions on this player. But it's not just that. It's about the the many millions we'll lose in the future because Mm. other players will see... The exact same thing as Marcande and Serkin before him. You know, Serkin last season left for Sunderland because of the same reason. Lewis Binks the season before left and is now playing in the Bologna first team for the same reason. Keenan Bennett and Rio Griffiths left for the same reason. Maddie Wakey left for the same reason. There's, There's countless players that have left because they don't see a pathway. And this is a problem that Spurs need to fix because otherwise, what's the point?
1: Or you just offer them enough money to keep them there. Yeah, and I think that's
2: what Chelsea do, to be honest. I think Chelsea pay a lot higher youth team wages because they don't play for Chelsea. They go out on loan. But it entices them to stay around. And then Chelsea have someone like Conor Gallagher at their disposal next season now.
0: Any thoughts, Nathan? Uh, I don't know. Where a player goes is uh, not really indicative of, of much <laughs> because um, the market is like a mess all the time and clubs are bad at uh, uh, um, analysing player quality. When he nearly sold Gareth Bale for like 5 million to, was it Blackburn or something? Is <laughs> it not Nottingham
1: Forest. Oh, Nottingham forest, forest, yeah, it. that's
0: right. Forest, yeah, yeah you know. Um, and this kind of stuff happens all the time. So, I don't know. like The thing is so... Um, Kyle Walker Pieces and Marcus Edwards are two really talented players who have significant defensive holes in their game, and for that reason, would never and will never be at Champions League clubs. Right. Um and there are other players who like maybe had the capacity for that, but like their their lack of development means they didn't turn into the player that they could have been. And maybe you feel that that's the case for for Edwards and, and Walker Peters, if they'd have stayed around at Spurs and got game time they'd have developed defensively. I'm less convinced of that personally. But I still think that like you can it's worthwhile developing players as you're saying to to turn a sum on them uh, and to develop which is sort of the wider the question here to develop a culture of of train mm, development so mm, that mm. The best players in our academy, you know, Noni Maduweki, want to stay at Spurs because they believe that there's a a path through. And it's not like there's no path through because there is Kane and Winks and Skip. um, And that's worthwhile having there. I don't know how well that compares or doesn't compare to sort of other teams in similar positions to us. But um...
2: in a way, I don't think it matters what other clubs are doing. And it's more about what we're doing because... Other clubs might not have as many prospects as us or as good an academy as us or as good coaching as us. And and I think people do look at Kane and Winks and Skip and say, that's great, that's enough. And I look at it and say, that's great, let's have more. Uh, and we could have more because we've got the talent to have more. Um, and I think Walker-Peters is a really interesting case because... I mean, I agree that that um, his defensive output is is not where it should be for an elite Premier League player. But I think Walker-Peters is a really good Premier League player. And I think his progressive passing and, and dribble numbers this year have been up there with the best in the division in terms of fullbacks. So there's like a trade-off there. Um, and what we have to remember is that we've spent £60 million trying to replace Kyle Walker. So we've bought Aurier and then we've bought uh, Doherty, and then we've bought Emerson, Real, and do we truly believe that any of them are levels above Kyle Walker-Peters? Maybe they're a bit above. Are they £60 million above? And I think this is the thing we need to factor into our decision-making around transfers. Do we have an equivalent academy player who, with a bit of time, a bit of patience, or the right loan can become as good as the, the next possible target? Um, Or or grow and become a better player, like you saw with Harry Kane and Harry Winks, to be fair to him as well.
0: For the critique I gave of Kyle Walker-Peters, he is a better player than Matt Doherty.
1: Yeah. Absolutely he be
0: we, we better did, in the squads than
1: Matt We we did loan Carl Walker as well before mm-hmm. he was he was a player with defensive issues and he had a good loan at Villa. Sure. It was. I do think it's funny though that we've changed from a club where it's like, someone like Simon Dawkins was born at Tottenham, lived all his life at Tottenham, and then died at Tottenham. He he, he left? He left us when he was twenty nine, and these days we can't keep hold of a youngster until they leave at eighteen, nineteen. Who was it? Anton Walks. Who was the the Greek chap as well? He was around for ages.
2: Anthony Georgiou, yeah, he stuck around until one. he's sort of. I think he was twenty-four when he left. Georgiou, yeah, it's
1: just, it's just like. A I mean like, that that, like that is an, that is
2: another failure in the in our in our development yeah. system, to be honest. In the same way, Carter Vickers, Carter Vickers still at the club, <laughs> and and again, we will sell Carter Vickers for a fee below what he's worth. He's playing really well at Celtic, but he doesn't have that much longer on his contract. If we'd sold at the right time. Um, and had him tied down to a contract, we could have got a lot more money for him and that 's the sort of thing that i 'm most frustrated about because I completely understand that the vast vast majority of our academy players are never going to play for tottenham for what it for, you know rightly or wrongly they 're just not so let's let 's instead focus on making them valuable so that we can then use that income that revenue to to buy better first team players uh that said I do think mark Andi could have i think he could have added something I really do.
1: Mm-hmm. i'd like you to one day to do a um a podcast with simon dawkins windy because i think you spoke about him every week for like five years <laughs> on on your youth and loan report at, on the fighting cop. when he
2: was with san jose earthquakes
1: <laughs> that's the one what a guy i'd like i'd love to find out and find out a little bit more about him. so i've
2: i've started doing this piece of research that i'm going to put on my blog Ooh. um i'm i'm going back 10 years i might go back a little bit further looking at every academy intake um and I've not quite decided on the parameters I'm gonna use yet, but I'm thinking of looking at the number of minutes they played at Spurs, the number of minutes they played on Low Mile at Spurs, how much they were sold for, um, and where they've got on to, to play. And it is it's even the bit of research I've done so far, it's so fascinating to see where some of our players end up. There are players uh playing now who I just assumed had given up on football and, and actually they've either they are found their way at a league club or a conference club or primarily to be honest a non-league club there's we've, we've even the worst players from our academy are are solid non-league footballers which I think is really interesting and um, there's certainly some quirks of this research which I'm looking forward to sort of writing about
1: get a camera go out and video them and talk to them Wendy I, I would watch them
2: So let's talk about uh let's talk about first team signings. Sheck says, say Newcastle come in with a bid for Lucas. At what cost do you draw the line saying it's too low to sell? Is twenty million enough, fifteen, twenty-five more? God, Nathan, can you imagine the uproar if we sold Lucas right now? Uh I
0: <laughs> I don't think I can conceive <laughs> of of the reaction. Uh, how much to Lucas right now? Okay, so he's 29. We paid 25 million for him. He is a player in form. Um, yeah, I mean personally, I would be. I would. I mean, I, but it's Newcastle and Newcastle. We're only accepting considerable overpays from Newcastle, right? We're not interested in selling them. Uh, they have the money, so if they're they're buying, they're buying heavy, right? So uh, 30, I'd take 30 for Lucas Moura, and 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 Spurs fans be damned, <laughs> right? 'Cause that's good money for Lucas Moura we could turn that on, on, on better options in the squad.
1: I mean that's an incredible amount of money I'd sell him immediately. I'd be I'd consider twenty five million. It's really yeah, I'd sell him for twenty five million easily.
2: I just want to make it clear, because people are gonna be absolutely furious about having a conversation about selling Lucas, that this is a question that we were asked. You
0: picked it. You picked the question. Because of your anti-Lucas agenda, <laughs> I'm blaming Bardy for that one. Wait, he, is this yeah, your man. question, Bardy? I put that in there. Okay, so R slash Coys, if if you comment on the Lucas segment, <laughs> please remember that it was Bardy's choice of question. All right, <laughs> everybody's for sale. Everybody. <laughs>
2: I mean, I think that is a that's a healthy way to look at things. And especially when Newcastle have got bucket loads of money, you know, it would, this is a great time to cash in on players that we don't see part of the future. And and in Lucas's case, it's not that he doesn't fit the system. It's not that he's not good enough. Maybe a little bit. But I think it's more that he's 29 and he's not going to be around for that much longer at the at the top level. So, of course, it would make sense to to maximise it. I mean, it's the same conversations as I've just been having about Marcande. It's a case of maximising value, isn't it? Um, Voodoo Chopsticks, Dan says, lots of critique of our recruitment lately, but when most of our new recruits look good when they first come in, hilbert at the start, Bergvine and Domblay scoring on the debuts, Giovanni Lo carrying us in Project Restart but then gets steadily worse are more likely problems, surely, our club environment. In the two years up to Conte, I can't think of a single player at the club getting better that isn't Kane or Son, really, and did they even get that much better? It's a good point.
1: I mean... uh... I'm gonna kind of challenge the Lascello, the a La bit. You can't, you can't throw in La Celso of that list because he, he's looked fine. He hasn't looked good or next level like the others have. Um, I do think there has been a little bit of improvement recently. Uh, I, I guess before Conte, it's hard, but we did go through some some Mourinho and Nuno time, so it's difficult. But there, there has been an upturn in, in certain players. I do think when a new player comes in there is that kind of rush to impress and everything else and a lot of Bergwijn's goal that he scored on his debut was something that you just dream about and it it was never going. His career, at Tottenham, was never going to stay on that level. That's just a natural cause and effect. Bruno Fernandes has had a drop off recently as well. It's it's very difficult to keep having that impact once you've been in the team and people are aware of how you play and and they can they can, they can factor you into the defensive setup.
2: I I strongly agree with the point that Dan's making. To be honest, I think our club environment has been a mess over the last two and a half years, and I think that is the reason why. our Recruitment seems to be worse than it actually was. I think at the time, all of the signings made sense. And I think they would have been fine if the environment was better, to be honest. Um, I really think there's been a timing issue with a lot of these signings. But I I genuinely feel like whilst our recruitment is not the best, uh, there's been a huge improvement in recent years.
1: Ish. I mean... We've we've never been a good club at signing place. I mean in, in amongst there you've got Judson Fernandez who is Oh
2: yeah, that's s- a disaster. someone that will
1: be yeah, that will be a quiz question in the future.
2: Galini, similarly.
1: Yep. I think more of it is down to our recruitment. Really, the, the squad, the, the the structure of the squad, and the managers and everything else have had a huge impact. But I think the recruitment has been pretty poor, buying players that they just that just don't work together. I don't know. if We could ever see a midfield of Tange and Gio and then uh, schoberg. I'm just not sure that would work.
2: Nathan, let's get stuck into your
0: spreadsheet. Okay, talk us through it. Uh, okay, so I sort of the the club and Conte have reportedly identified sort of four areas for concern, which is a backup to ha- to centre forwards, uh who can also contend to start, uh a centre back, uh a right wing back and uh, a central midfielder. I've also put Android Nano on there though I think he's going to, to enter that's just a carry on because I copied over from the um the one at the end of the last summer. The profile that I looked for for centre forwards um was I wanted to aim sort of somewhere between Kane and Son, the sort of two forwards. I, know I appreciate we aren't playing a 3 5 2 at the moment, but we sort that sort of idea in mind. Obviously, Kane is um, something who profiles a bit like a number 10, uh, but he's also a target in the box. He has really good hold up play, really good chance creation. And then Sun is sort of a fast player in behind who can play wide um, and is a good finisher. So, if we were to have two players of any type of those, they probably wouldn't combine well together. Uh, So, I've looked for players who are sort of either in between or, you know, even better both, Um, which means that I've sort of prioritized athletic players, players who are sort of tall and fast. Um, And therefore, because some of them are, you know, going to be on the cheaper end. some of them may have sort of technical deficiencies or tactical deficiencies or disciplinary deficiencies uh, because, again, the priority is uh, tall and fast. Uh, but some, some of the better options at the top at the end are tall, fast, technical, smart, uh, creative, all of that. Uh, so I've compiled my list of centre forwards. We've got sort of, I don't know, 15 or more names there. Uh, they're sort of vaguely ranked in order, but it's not a, a hard ranking. I haven't spent too much time thinking about which order of preference they are in. Um, and I've also pretty much done my right wing backs now um, and most of the way there. Um, I don't know. There's 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 a lot of names. Obviously, we don't have time to sort of spend 10 minutes talking about each and every one. But do you have specific names that are popping up to you or are interesting
1: or whatever? I found um, Scamacca being on the list quite interesting. Okay, he's um, he's a player that has started to look good, but Italy in a desperate need of a, of a number nine, and mm. he has in, in recent months started to to feature and look like he could be that kind of player. I still think it's crazy that he's being linked with Juve at the moment. I still think he's a long way off that. But I wouldn't want him as as a player to come in and replace Kane. I think he's definitely someone that would have to come in and learn the role. He's got his physical attributes are, are just impressive and yeah, an abs- yeah. But I, I don't think he would I don't think he can lead the line at a big club yet. Interesting.
0: Well I mean, yeah, as you say, his um his tools are really quite incredible, I think. Mm. Um, and they, they always have been, he's now sort of putting that together in terms of his, like his production. I mean, his, 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 his expected goals for 90 last season at Genoa uh, are actually really impressive. So I, I maybe I want to take that back. Um, but yeah, he is sort of, you know, a, a young player coming through. But yeah, strongly linked to Juve. Uh, I've put him way up the top of the list because I think that he is um, extremely well-rounded. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I accept that it's early days for him in terms of both his sort of his development and sort of proof of like ability to continue continue to produce over seasons. But um, I think that this is sort of, you know, uh, a wonder kid, basically, and that we should be we should be right on it.
1: Uh, yeah, I think for the price we could probably get him, I think he'd be well worth the gamble.
2: And the one that interests me, Nathan, is the, the guy at the top of the list, who is a a player that I've seen mentioned a lot on social media recently. Charles de Ketelaire, is that how you pronounce it? I
0: think there's a I think you pronounce the vowel on the end, but I'm not certain Ketelere. Um but don't I'm not convinced of that. Yeah. Uh how do you how do you describe this player? Um Okay, so you take Take Harry Kane and you swap his worst and best attributes, right? So, uh, you lose Harry Kane's finishing, right? The sort of incredible ability to just score from any situation. You've, you've lost that. But what you've got instead is he's now incredibly fast. Um, so. Typically, domestically, he tends to play as more as sort of a number 10 or out wide or wherever, sort of more of a support role. Whereas in the Champions League, he's been playing as the nine. And from there, he can sort of make these runs over the top into sort of decoy positions. Uh, so he's been doing he's been making sort of in to out runs and then putting up incredible chances from there actually rather sorry Kane isn't the right starting place imagine <laughs> imagine if Kevin De Bruyne was really fucking fast imagine he was rapid and therefore also sometimes played as a number nine that's just get to learning interesting okay
2: yeah uh, um,
1: w- w- okay. I would like a little I think um Patrick Shtick is there and <laughs> I think that's a, a player I could see reasons for not signing him is Bardi hates him yeah I, he is an absolute log, and just because he smacked one in against Scotland doesn't make him no, a good no, no, player. No, no.
0: Okay, well, that's that's inflated his value. So he had a terrible time at Roma, yeah. Um, it was awful. I, I would like to propose to you the 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 concept that the player can be bad in one place and then go on to be good elsewhere, right? And he's True. he's he's putting the goals away,
1: man. I saw him in the flesh when he played for Leipzig against us, well, and he was an absolute lamppost. I, <laughs> <laughs> he's like. Scamacca can get around the pitch. I'm, I'm just not a shtick fan. But if he comes to Spurs, I'll be, I'll be fully behind him. Okay,
0: okay. Anyone else?
1: Um, I, I mean, I like Dominic Calvert, Calvert Lewin. I yeah. think he's expensive, but if Everton go down, he's yeah. There's a free Oh, if there. if
2: they go down, they, I mean, can you imagine how many teams would be interested in him? He's, he's a really impressive player. Really, really impressive player. I, I think the thing, the good thing about Calvert Lewin is. He's a very rounded player. He's kind of like, he's not the fastest, but he's not slow. He's not the best in the air, but he's really good. He's not that great in front of goal, but his finish numbers are fine. He's mm. just kind of like good at everything. And he's also like a really decent character. Seems very, very popular in Everton. Uh, would would fit in like a hand in a glove, I think. Uh, he's a He'd be a great signing. Just the right age as well, he's 24. And mm. like I'm going to say, he's the most handsome player in the Premier League.
0: Uh, Skamaka would, would contest if he came in.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I need, to, I need to image search Skamaka <laughs> as
0: well. Ask Callie who she prefers between the two. <laughs>
2: okay. Oh, I've seen Skamaka. Okay, when you said Callie, I was like, okay, now I know who he is. I saw an image went up on the Discord. Uh, I'm not into neck tattoos. Okay. Um, I don't mind. I don't mind a sleeve. I don't even mind a chest, but I don't like the neck tattoo. Nah,
0: you need to get with the times, old man.
2: I no, I, mean, I am. <laughs> I'm. I'm just hammering home how old I am in this episode, basically. <laughs> but yeah, he's a he's a handsome chap for sure. I mean, I'm pleased to see Edward still remains on your list. I think he's very good. Um, I was interested to see that Tony's on the, on there, despite uh, the sort of lack of goals this season. He's clearly a good player. I, I think maybe um, the price that they would want for Tony is. Sure. Over and above what he's actually worth at this point. Sure. Abraham, another interesting one, really, really like Abraham. Um but again, they cost a lot of money, wouldn't he?
0: Yeah. I mean a handful of these players, Edward especially, I think, players who've just moved are sort of fairly unlikely to move again. Um but I don't think you should rule them out. I think that you should you should um you should ask. <laughs> you know, it's well, always worth asking.
2: And if if you were like I don't know. Let's say you were putting together the the Tifo sensible transfers for Tottenham. Which which of these would be the pick? Which would be like the
0: affordable one that makes sense from a Spurs perspective? Shouts uh, to Um I think yeah, Skomaka again. Skomaka if he's if he's available at the sort of price we think he is, and he's not going to Juve. Uh, who's affordable?
1: I mean, I can't believe Brulon Belt and Bolo's still only twenty four. He's been around for <laughs> a generation. Yeah,
0: well, he was sort of. Um, he was kind of an athletic standout at, at youth level, and so was sort of promoted quite fast. And when he's promoted fast, he's sort of not quite the technical uh, and tactical level. But then he's that's sort of, he's caught up, and he's sort of rounded out those things now. And um, I don't know, he kind of um, he kind of looks like a winger playing up top, but on a good day, does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's
2: uh, let's move on to the right wing backs. Um. <laughs> talk us through it i've got some questions but but let's you know same thing again nathan if you wouldn't mind
0: talking us through sort of some okay. of the key names and why they're on there the profile for the right wing back is much more straightforward um good wing back basically um <laughs> so someone who is either uh ideally both again at the top end of the table who are uh both of fast good dribblers and good like chance creation passing in the final third um and then um I also wanted some sort of semblance of proofs of like defensive ability, but I don't think that they um I think you can have some defensive deficiency in a conte wing back. So again, towards the bottom end of the list are players who there might be some question marks over in that department. So pick number one is Nisemasrawi. Uh he will be on a free in the summer and is linked to Barca. I would bid now and I would bid high. I think he is he is the best right back in the world um i think uh <laughs> i think he's incredible i mean what, one thing with this is that like i thought dest was very good when he was playing right back for ajax and now he's gone to Barca and things haven't gone that well for him um but i'm just so much more confident in metraoui i think he's incredible he um he just has everything so i mean i guess there's an extent to which like he's probably He's probably slightly better as a fullback than a wingback because he is able to do all of the incredible attacking output stuff he does and also you know get all the way back and defend and therefore you're getting sort of more um excellence <laughs> per <laughs> defensiveness right if that makes kind of sense um but like he'd be excellent as a wingback too um. So he's definitely, definitely my number one pick. His creativity from all positions, uh, his his tight space dribbling. Um I guess I guess there could be very marginal questions about sort of athleticism for him. Um, but he can he can create separation through technical ability. Um and and the thing with saying like, oh, it's for Ajax is that like he's done that against good Champions League teams again and again. So uh yeah. <laughs> he's my number one pick, and there are other good players there too.
1: I'd like to ask about Dwight McNeil because he's <laughs> yeah. always struck me as a very, very old-fashioned winger who, who's probably not in the right era to be to be counted as as, a, as, a, as like a great player. But it's interesting you put him here as a right. I winger. was
0: literally just watching him before, uh, while while I was waiting for you to turn up on Wiseguys. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's left footed. He plays left wing. He occasionally plays right wing. Um, I've watched one game so far uh, of him playing on the right and he has been sort of cutting inside quite a bit. Uh, But I think that, I mean, essentially, if you play uh, as a winger for Burnley, you're playing as a wing back for most of the clubs. Right. That's that's the same role. Yeah. so certainly from the left, he he profiles just like a wing back, and a really good one. His his delivery from the wing is really strong. Whether he would do that on the right, the benefit is obviously that Conte um, has shown a preference, and I did this in the recent YouTube video for inverted wing backs. So we can't be too terrified of of left footers. Um, I just thought he was an interesting because I I looked through full backs and wing backs, um, and then I thought, okay, what about defensive wingers? What about you know what about signing Adama Traore, Victor Moses, whatever? Um and thinking that way, and he was just the first one he came to mind, and I thought, okay, yeah, he's actually he's a strong candidate. So I want to watch some more. In fact, I might sort of live stream in the Discord, watching him play on the right for Burnley and see how sort of how much as uh, touchline presence he has. Um, but he's just sort of an, an interesting outside shout.
1: I just want to highlight one more, and it's the the Leon player Malogusto yeah. which in Spanish translates as bad, bad taste. taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bad taste that right wing back.
0: Uh I don't I don't have a huge amount to say about him at the moment. Uh his numbers look really good. I haven't sort of done the, the rest yet. Um, and also he has a funny name, so
1: <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs>
2: I was also going to pick out Dwight McNeil. I was uh, intrigued to see him pop up in the right wing back um, list. Nathan now obviously obsessed with inverted wing backs. <laughs> uh, I think Dwight McNeil will have a position change throughout his career too, but I think he'll end up as a central midfielder. I think
0: that's a very interesting shout. I think that makes a lot of sense, to be honest.
2: I, I see him as a sort of James Milner type. Sure. Uh, you know, Milner started off as a young winger for Leeds, right winger, really impressive, and then very quickly. Um, moved inside because of his passing ability, his incredible work rate, and I think most importantly, his phenomenal tactical discipline. Just fulfilling the role meticulously and putting the team before himself and I think Dwight McNeil is a perfect candidate for that. I think he'd work really, really nicely in the midfield three. Uh and I and I think if Spurs were to sign him, which they definitely should consider because he's very good, I think we should consider playing him in a midfield three. And I think you know to have athleticism to get up and down the pitch in the same way that we expect Delhi to, but also he's just got this incredible left foot, a really, really, really impressive passing range, and as I've mentioned, great work rate, great discipline tactically great um, appreciation of, of um, the team yeah, shape.
0: I mean, I, I agree with all of that, to be honest.
1: Hmm.
2: So who would, again, if you're doing the kind of TIFO sensible transfers, who's the right-wing pick that's kind of affordable, maybe a little under the radar? Or, or is it
0: just that you go for Masraoui? I'd Rao? definitely go for Masraoui before anyone else. Um, Baku is valued fairly highly. Lampt is going to be expensive. I think they would say Dodo because he's sort of a non-top-five league player. So he's at Shakhtar. Um, he's... He's very very fast.
2: Okay, and he's uh he's an attacking attacking
0: wingback, yeah, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he has. I don't. I wonder if he had sort of prior experience at wingback. But he's Brazilian, so they have a culture of very attacking wingbacks, I guess. Um, there's the, the obviously the strong um, Brazilian players to sort of to our pipeline, and he is he's mm. a standout in that department. Uh, obviously, you know, playing in the Ukrainian division. Um, you, you know, there's a level of opposition question there. He does have Champions League minutes, so it's worth taking a look at them. Um, but yes, he, I guess he's he comes across as a bit of a uh, a tifo suggestion.
2: Did you want to
0: do centre backs now, or would you rather no, keep your powder dry and do I'm that gonna next keep week? Keep my powder dry for them because I haven't I haven't done the the hard hours on, on them yet. So
2: there you go, listeners, something to look forward to in next week's podcast: some uh, some left sided centre back
1: discussion. Um, question from Kino: When did you last boo, and why? I think um, I think I probably booed with the the Nuno um, substitution. Was it was it, it Lucas? Was Lucas? Yeah, I think I think that was probably the first time I've ever booed. I just got, kind of got swept up in the, <laughs> in the moment. So everybody just got really upset, and I was just like, "I have some of that." Um, I didn't boo Ndombélé. I I did tell him to hurry up and get off the pitch. But um, yeah, that was the only time I've ever booed, and it was um, I helped I helped sack Nuno, so I'm kind oh, of grateful. Good for work, that. mate! You should all be grateful to me. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I got a man. I got a man fired. Yeah. <laughs> a man family to lost feed.
0: his job because of you.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: I don't think I've ever booed. I don't think I've ever booed at uh, the stadium. I I would like to say that I would have booed Mourinho, but the reality is that. Were I going to Spurs regularly, I would simply have stopped going to Spurs regularly (laughs) under Mourinho. So I wouldn't have had the opportunity to boo him anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I've ever booed Spurs. I boo the opposition all the time, every sub they make. Mm. uh, And every time. The the ref, every time the manager gets out of his seat, uh, when they come out to warm up um i don't think i've ever booed spurs uh
1: i bet you two have booed a band before i can just imagine <laughs> no
0: no as a musician what? i like you know i always have sympathy for being up on stage even if you're terrible and i have i have seen some fucking terrible bands <laughs> even then i'm like you know fair play to you you're getting up there and i yeah
1: then windy definitely when he was going through his uh pop stage in in the mid to late 90s you definitely booed somebody um so I would have booed bad behaviour, I think, but I don't know if I
2: ever. So I saw, I saw, um, uh, I saw the Libertines pre and post Pete Doherty, and uh, he was a dickhead. He was an absolute dickhead in, in the gig that I saw him. But I think I found it exciting at the time. I sort of I found his bad behaviour sort of intoxicating uh, during that that time period because I was an I was a naive young person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't bother me that I was like Not getting value for money because he was being a prick <laughs> I just thought it was funny So I don't think I have I don't think I have ever booed a band Bardi Have you? No no. no. You didn't boo uh, David Grey all those times you went to see him <laughs> I've never been to see David Grey <laughs> You love a bit what of David I- Grey
1: I, I do when um when my when my car got stolen. So I'd parked my car in my in my in my neighbour's drive and they had got through my dad's this was, this was many, many years ago, they got through my dad's um post box with a fishing rod and we reckon they're after my dad's Audi because the police were like, Why would they steal uh, an alpha one four seven? And they, they with the fishing rod they went through, they hooked the key, took it and they, they took the car away, joyride, smashed it all up, and they they destroyed everything apart from my David Gray C D. That was that remained intact and I was able to continue to use it. <laughs> it's a beautiful
2: tale.
0: I heckled limp biscuit and got beer thrown at my mates.
2: <laughs> why why did you heckle them? Because I think do? they're just ridiculous. I think
0: they're an absurd act. They were at a festival that I went to and so I was just like, what's the front man's name again? I can't remember. I was just Fred th- Durst. I was just yelling back to the nonsense that Fred Durst was saying, and then some people who were, you know, defensive of biscuits were were moved <laughs> to throw their beers in our direction and then it didn't hit me, it hit my friends behind me.
2: And he was just saying, I don't know why you want to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jamie T, boom <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm deserved, deserved. Uh, Jamie T says, "What has been your worst excuse to get out of something you didn't want to do?" This is obviously based upon Arsenal uh, uh, getting out of the, the, the North London Derby. Bardy, I bet you've got some belters for this.
1: No, I'm I'm kind of one of these guys that if I if I put my name up to do something, I'll, I'll get it done. I may not do it properly. I may not do it with the full gusto that I should, but I, I, I get it done. um I did get out of running the marathon because Spurs uh, qualified for the Champions League final, which is probably a a pretty lame excuse. But um, it was the same day as it. And I'd rather go to Madrid to watch Tottenham lose. So that's probably the only thing I've kind of got myself out of. Otherwise, I'll just just get through it. Just got to do it.
0: How about you, Nathan? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. I'm the opposite in terms of like, I won't bother inventing an excuse. Like, I I can't. Mm. (laughs) i think people like put it upon themselves to come up with a plausible story and they just put themselves in the worst position whereas if you're like i'm sorry i I can't people won't be like oh why what are you doing and if they are like that then you don't want them in your lives
2: absolutely i was going to say something similar i remember um and again this is this is a time it feels it feels like years ago because it's pre-covid but like when i realized that you don't have to go to things that you'd booked (laughs) i found it such a an exhilarating discovery <laughs> like sometimes you would you'd book tickets to a show or a gig or a, I, i'd go and see comedians quite frequently and and then like on the day you'd be like i just don't really fancy that and the the realization that oh i don't actually have to go it's my choice whether i go or not. i book tickets but i don't have to have to attend oh god it was it was the best um so yeah just just don't turn up it's fine
1: I- I also, you you guys know me now, I also have the tendency to over-elaborate or go into too much yeah, information. Yeah. And if I start lying, I just start <laughs> creating a, a wormhole of a, a whole parallel universe of, of strings of lies. I just can't do it. I, I over-explain anyway too much. I'm in a restaurant and my wife will just stand and look at me as I explain everything to the waitress about why I'm not going to order something off the menu. And she, yeah, it's kind of me.
2: I like this one from Jam Scones. It's, it's not often I say that. How much do you guys let football take over your weekend? I can understand if you're going to the match; it takes up a lot more. But I've found as I'm getting older that it's less and less. But is that something? Is that different considering it's work for you three? Cup games don't count. We all know Nathan stepped through Morecambe. <laughs>
1: for <fuck's> <laughs> sake. <laughs>
0: uh yeah i mean it's 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 not just the time the game is on for me because i i do the team sheet and then i watch the game and then i will go over some statistics afterwards and then i'll sort of think about the shape and then i might really watch some bits and uh yeah it takes up a lot yeah,
1: yeah takes up a lot of my time i have found though since we since we launched a patron and and we do this and serious podcasting these days i can use that a whole oh i, I need to watch this it's for, my job. for the podcast yeah. yes <laughs> it's my job um, so I do use that card a little bit more. But I, I've said many times, it, it's a privilege being able to go watch Tottenham. So um, it, it takes up time of my life, but it's time that I, I factor into my life and try and work things around. To Last weekend, for example, was a, a prime... Like, I should have been at Tottenham and I should have... St- lost seven eight nine hours of my life but instead i decided to use it to go for a nice long walk go for dinner do some stuff with my wife and at least those times that football aren't in the way to make the most use of it so which is kind of why i, I just didn't watch any football this weekend I just focused it on on house stuff my
0: girlfriend is in the background laughing at your comments about i i have the excuse of well it's my job i have to watch it
2: <laughs> i um i i would say is it so it It's interesting. During COVID, I essentially have done nothing. I haven't left the house (laughs) other than to see my girlfriend uh, and the occasional trip to my my parents. And so football is massive. It's like hugely important to me at the moment, and Spurs in particular are hugely important. And I actually really felt disappointed when the North London derby was was postponed because it was like the thing that my weekend was built around. Uh, It was like the event that I had to look forward to. Um so yeah, I absolutely do let it take over my weekend, which in some ways can be damaging because as we've seen over the last two years, watching Spurs is not always a fun experience. Mm. And so when you're kind of the, the the enjoyment of your weekend is pinned upon that, it becomes even more of a of a frustration. Um I also enjoy watching non-Spurs games, so like I will typically watch two or three matches every weekend. That's that's quite normal for me nowadays. Um so I guess I do let it I do, I do let it take over uh, if I'm completely honest it does football rules
0: my life. There's a thing where it's like um, because I like uh, I'm sort of constantly sort of churning out the content and changing my ideas and stuff. It's like games really interrupt. My hmm. making of videos, and sometimes it's like, oh, here's an idea, and I will sort of like start to put the things together in my notes and clips and stuff, and then the next game will completely change that and flip that, and I have to yes. scrap stuff. And yes. then with this one, it was like, oh, good, the game isn't on Sunday, I have more time to work on my
1: spreadsheets,
0: right, about Stockton. <laughs> so uh, the less games there are, as as much as it's you know it's good for the players, right? <laughs> People are going to clip that a bit, aren't they? Uh, as much. My-
1: <laughs> Over. <laughs> i have more time to work on my spreadsheet that's
2: brilliant you've been listening to the extra inch thanks to nathan a clark for the production thanks to bardi for being italian thanks to adam gardner for the artwork thanks to david Lindmer for our intro music you can find him on twitter at davy shambles and his soundcloud d do check him out he's great. Great, great follow us on twitter and facebook at the extra inch Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.